Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out a community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. Well, good morning again, and welcome to Movement Church. My name is Mark, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here. And I want to just say uh, welcome again. If it's your first time here, welcome. If it's your fifth time here, uh, if your fiancé drug you here and you're not sure what happened exactly, but you were promised lunch after this, welcome to Movement Church. Uh, I know there's a lot of different people in the room, a lot of different places, uh, but we believe that God has brought us here today uh, for a reason, to celebrate hope and to celebrate life in Jesus, and we are excited for that. Uh, I hope that you've already gotten a taste of the fact that we believe uh, today is a great day, uh, but I want to be honest, it wasn't a great week for me. You can tell that this is normally a YMCA gym, and so we kind of set up and tear down everything that you see here, and uh, last week, uh, a lot of people out, and so I thought, hey, I'm going to be helpful. I'm going to help with the teardown process, and we've got some big rolling cases back here, and I went to lift one of those, and I heard uh, something that I was told would always happen in, in middle age. I heard a pop in my back as I was bending over, and I thought, that's never happened before. Uh, I turned, uh, turned 40 about three weeks ago, and so if you've ever wondered, how long does it take for your body to fall apart after turning 40? The answer is three weeks, exactly three weeks to the day. Uh, you will fall apart. And so uh, it, was, uh, it was a tough week. Uh, I went and got adjusted a couple times. Uh, I did something that I never thought I would do. I experienced the joys of cupping. If you don't know what that is, my back looks like I got shot by a paintball gun a lot. And so, uh, but the good news is I'm able to stand up straight. And so I'm here and I'm excited for that. Uh, it wasn't too long ago that I still thought I was young and cool. Uh, it feels like it was like a month ago, but it, but it wasn't. It was much longer. Uh, in fact, I was thinking this week of the time in my life I felt the coolest. And uh, I think I think it was when my wife and I uh, went on a vacation uh, to L.A. We did what, what is called uh, in the American culture a, a baby moon. We went on a vacation to L.A. And we, uh, we love pop culture. We love uh, just everything that L.A. offered. And so we were like, we're going to go out there. We went out there and hung out for 10 days. Uh, this was a long time ago. Okay, it was a very long time ago before we had kids. But we went out there. Uh, we got to do some great stuff. We stayed with our friends for free. So that's always a bonus, right? And every day when they would go to work, we would just get on a bus and go like a mile down to the beach and just walk up and down the beach and get coffee and love life. And, and when we were in L.A., we got to do some cool stuff. We went to uh, some TV tapings. We got to go uh, to a movie premiere. Uh, everything we did just, just seemed cool. We went to the press conference where they announced the, the Grammy nominees. And so we were, we were living the dream and doing all of this uh, cool stuff. Uh, but there was one thing about L.A. that, that kind of shocked me, I guess, or threw me off. As we were flying into the city, um, I was like, oh, there it is, there it is. You know, we're looking, and I'm like, I thought it would look a little cooler. You know, I could tell the ocean was like out that way, and you could see all these cool things. Uh, but I want to show you the, the picture that, that we could see of L.A. as we flew in. Uh, there, there it is. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a little smog picture, if you couldn't tell. That is, that is not uh, just some morning dew in L.A. Uh, that is actually what L.A. looks like all the time. And so I was excited to see famous people. We're excited to go to the beach. We're excited to do all this cool stuff. Uh, but I was like, man, this is... Uh, 
this is not what I thought it would be. And before you think uh, that this is a, a public service announcement for, for air quality, this is not. I promise you that. Uh, I want to I shift gears a little bit because I think that, that that picture of smog and my experience in L.A. is kind of, of a, a picture of what uh, the human existence, human life is like, right? No matter who we are, no matter where we go, no matter what we do, there's smog and there's, there's dirt, there's sin in our lives, the presence of sin, as you've already heard. We can deny it, we can ignore it, we can act like we had nothing to do with it or it's someone else's problem, but that smog, that, that sin is, is always around us. And so today, we want to talk about what can we do about that smog? What is God's plan for that smog? Our goal today is to talk about the fact that Jesus came so that we could have freedom from that. Jesus came so that we could have life apart from that. Jesus came to give us life, no matter what we're in the midst of, no matter what's happening around us, no matter what we can see, no matter how terrible it looks, Jesus came to give us life. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart I have overcome the world. Today we want to talk about exactly how Jesus overcame the effects of sin, the effects of smog, metaphorical smog, and all the things that plague our lives. And so I want to uh, invite you to uh, open a Bible today if you've got one. We've been going through a series in the book of Mark. No, I didn't pick that because it's my name. We talk about that every week. I know it sounds pretty weird. I'm Mark. We're going through the book of Mark. It's just a coincidence, right? But we're going through the gospel of Mark, which tells us the life and ministry of Jesus. And we've seen Jesus traveling, teaching, performing miracles, doing all these incredible things. And the chapters that we want to look at today, the last chapters of this book, really explain and talk about the final weekend of the life of Jesus. Jesus traveled to Jerusalem because there was a festival going on, but he knew because he had said when he went to Jerusalem that his life was going to end. And so this wasn't an accident. This wasn't a coincidence. He was going to Jerusalem for his life to end, to lay his life down and live inside of God's purpose. And this story that we want to look at today picks up right as Jesus had begun to get into Jerusalem. He was celebrating this final chapter of life. He had just had a meal with his 12 disciples, his inner circle, where he literally said... He knew that one of them was going to betray him and one of them was going to be involved in the process of him giving his life. So let's look at Mark chapter 14. It's on page 776 and a lot of those Bibles there that are under your chair. I want to read verse 43 here, Mark 14, 43, and we'll skip around and try to summarize this story and capture exactly what happened in the final days, the final moments of the life of Jesus. Mark 14, 43, page 776. It says this right after Jesus has had that meal with his disciples and he's moving on. It says this. And immediately, even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders. The traitor Judas had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. Then you can take him away under guard. As soon as they arrived, Judas walked up to Jesus. Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. Then the others grabbed him grabbed Jesus and arrested him. Let's skip on down to verse 53. The story continues there. It says this. They took Jesus to the high priest's home where the leading priests, the elders, and the teachers of religious law had gathered. Meanwhile, Peter followed them at a distance and went right up into the high priest's courtyard. There he sat with the guards, warming himself by the fire. Inside, the leading priests and the entire high council were trying to find evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death. But they couldn't find any. Many false witnesses spoke against him, but they contradicted each other. Finally, some men stood up and gave this false testimony. 
We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days I will build another made without human hands. But even then, they didn't get their stories straight. Then the high priest stood up before the others and asked Jesus, well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus was silent and made no reply. Then the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror and said, Why do we need other witnesses? You have all heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? Guilty, they all cried. He deserves to die. Then some of them began to spit at him and they blindfolded him and beat him with their fists. Prophesy to us, they jeered. And the guards slapped him as they took him away. I want to pause just for a second and catch up with some of the things that we had read. Jesus knew that he was coming to give his life. Jesus knew that even though he had done nothing wrong, this was the path that God wanted him to take to pay for our sins. And so he was arrested as he was betrayed by one of the guys in his inner circle. And they began to put him through this kind of process that if I had to describe it, I would say it wasn't wasn't really a a trial. It was more of maybe what we would call a, a witch hunt kind of had a predetermined outcome to it. And there were false witnesses coming and lying and making up stories and making up these quotes and taking things out of context. This passage says that they were contradicting each other. The things that they were saying were completely false. Jesus had spoken about the fact that he was going to erase the need for the temple and they flipped that and turned it against him. See, the temple back then was how people connected to God. People would go into the temple And because of the wrong things in their life, the priests would offer sacrifices on their behalf, and that was their link to God. Jesus was saying, I'm going to remove that process. I'm going to be your link to God. I'm going to restore the relationship between God and humans. And he wasn't speaking against the temple, as they said. He was merely saying, this is what I'm going to do in this process. Let's skip down to chapter 15, verse 11. It says this. But at this point, the leading priest stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. Pilate asked them, then what should I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. So to pacify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Even the leader who's conducting this trial is looking at this thing playing out and he's saying, listen, we have a process here. This guy hasn't done anything wrong. Why are you guys so mad? And they're like, crucify him. They just, they just, they just want that to be done. And, and so it's even mentioned here that Pilate is saying, listen, there's a tradition. This time of year, we always release someone out of captivity, someone who's in prison. I think it would make sense if it's this guy and they're pushing for this guy, Barabbas, who had done some terrible things. They're like, no, 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 no. We know what we want to happen to Jesus. And so let's get Barabbas out of here. And finally, Pilate can't fight the crowd anymore. He just has to turn him over and let him be crucified. In fact, down in verse 21, it tells that story. It says this. A passerby named Simon, who was from Cyrene, was coming in from the countryside just then. And the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. And they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. They offered him wine, drugged with myrrh, but he refused it. 
Then the soldiers nailed him to the cross. They divided his clothes and threw dice to decide who would get each piece. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. A sign announced the charge against him. It read, quote, the king of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Ha! Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests and teachers of religious law also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross so we can see it and believe him. Even the men who were crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. Verse 33 says this, At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. Wait, he said, let's see whether Elijah comes to take him down. Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, this man truly was the son of God. Some women were there watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James the Younger, and of Joseph, and Salome. They had been followers of Jesus and had cared for him while he was in Galilee. Many other women who had come with him to Jerusalem were also there. We see very clearly in this passage, and this part of the story, as as it flows very easily, we can read it so easily, it says that Jesus took our darkness upon him. We see darkness falling over this entire landscape happening in the middle of the day, a time that doesn't make sense because Jesus was taking our darkness, our sin, our wrongdoing, all of the times, all of the ways that we think we know better than God, the things that are sin in our lives, and he was taking that upon him. He was taking that to the cross, not because he deserved it, but because he wanted to pay the price for our sin. And in the Old Testament, we could see that there was a curtain that would divide people from the presence of God. When they would go into the temple to take sacrifices to talk to God, there was always this process and this curtain that kept people from God. And as Jesus gives his life, that curtained area, the, the curtain is, is torn No longer are people separated from God. Jesus has shown that he would rebuild the temple. He would usher in the new era. He would change the way that things would happen from that point forward because he was the connection between God and between people. Verse 42 tells us about the burial of Jesus. It says this, This all happened on Friday, the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath. As evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea took a risk and went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Joseph was an honored member of the high council and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Pilate couldn't believe that Jesus was already dead, so he called for the Roman officer and asked if he had died yet. The officer confirmed that Jesus was dead. So Pilate told Joseph that he could have the body. Joseph brought along a a sheet of linen cloth. Then he took Jesus' body down from the cross, wrapped it in the cloth, and laid it in a tomb that had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone in front of the entrance. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where Jesus' body was laid. Let's skip ahead to chapter 16, verse 1. It says this, Saturday evening, 
When the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way there, they were asking each other, who will roll, the, roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. As we read this story, as you interact with Mark's account of the the gospel and and exactly what happened in the life of Jesus, it's very clear that these things are happening with purpose. It's very clear that this story is flowing not out of chance or not out of just randomness, but because God's plan to redeem the world is unfolding. See, the life of Jesus was all part of God's plan to redeem us, and God's plan was perfect. God's plan wasn't just perfect, but still is perfect to this day. You and I are not perfect. You and I mess up. You and I fall short of God's standard. You and I choose our own way and think that we know better than God and we put distance and separation between us and God. But God still sent his one and only son, Jesus, in this perfect moment, for this perfect time, for this perfect plan. And Jesus came not because he deserved death, not because he had done anything wrong. In fact, we even see in this story the people who didn't believe in him, the people that weren't supporters or followers of his, were still looking at his life in these accounts and saying, this man did nothing wrong. And usually to be punished, there has to be some sin or some crime that's been committed. Jesus took our sin and our crime and our punishment when he went to the cross and gave his life and died. But we're not here today to celebrate Easter because Jesus died. We're here to celebrate that he defeated sin and death and was raised from the dead. He was resurrected and he gives us life. Here's our our big idea, just a phrase that I would want you to remember today as as we celebrate and as we continue to talk about this. Jesus took our punishment of death to earn us the reward of eternal life. Jesus took our punishment of death to earn us the reward of eternal life. And there's no better way for us to talk about this or, or to, to celebrate this than this, this video that happened to go viral this, this last month. I want to show you a video that basically shows this exact same thing, but in a modern context. Now, maybe not in a modern Columbus context, because this video happened at a rodeo, all right? I know that's not, I know that's not perfectly normal, all right? Where I'm from, a little bit north of here, that's a little more normal. Usually the, the cool kids in high school that really want to impress girls would kind of get into the rodeo scene because it's impressive where I'm from. You guys are just thinking it's weird and hillbilly, but trust me, watch this video, right? You're going you're gonna to look at, at someone that got them t- themselves in a, in a terrible bind, couldn't defend themselves, couldn't do anything, and someone else that lays down for their life for that person. So let's check this video out together. Let me tell you what you were watching there. That's a boy named Cody Hooks who decided that it would be a good idea to participate in a rodeo in this exhibition. 
and he was riding that bull. And I don't know if you could tell, thing threw him a couple times and, and it knocked him out. And he fell off the bull and he was laying there, defenseless. There's people looking on, maybe some people who knew him, maybe some people that were like, oh, that's too bad for old Cody down there. There was one person, his dad, that said, all right, I'm going to do something about this. See, the dad didn't make the choice to ride a bull. The dad wasn't like, this is a fantastic idea. He didn't say, hey, you should, uh, you should go out there and battle an animal that's 20 times your size. I bet that'll end well. And yet in that moment, he said, if I don't do something, this person's going to die. And so he, he jumped out there, and you could see it. He, he covered his son. He said, I'm taking your decisions and your mistakes, and I'm putting them on myself. Not because I deserve this, not because I should have to do this necessarily, but I'm choosing this. And he took the punishment, right? I mean, you saw him get nailed by that bull, and I haven't had that happen in my life, but I can assure you it probably doesn't tickle, right? It probably didn't feel great. And that's what Jesus did for us. All of the account that we just heard, everything that he did on the cross, this entire series of events as it unfolded, it wasn't because he deserved it. It wasn't because he had sinned or he had messed up. He lived a perfect life. But that's why he was able to go to the cross and be the perfect sacrifice. Because if he had committed one sin and, and he gave his life like that, it would have been like, well, he was atoning for his own sin or he, was, he, was, he, was, he deserved to be punished. But because he was without fault, without sin... He paid the price for our sins. And I'm not here to talk down to anyone today or to say, oh, you're a bad person, but I think we all know that we're not perfect. I think we all know that our lives aren't perfect. I think we all know that this world is not perfect. And we lie and we cheat. We stab other people in the back and we we gossip and we think we're better than others. There's so many ways that we, we sin. And we put distance between us and God. But God didn't want that distance to be there. And so he sent his one and only perfect son, Jesus, who came to this world, lived a perfect life, and gave his life on the cross. He was crucified. He was sacrificed. And he gave his life for us. See, the cross... And this process took his breath away. We read that, we saw that where it said he breathed his last. But his death took our sin away. But as I mentioned, we're not just here to celebrate death because he was raised from the dead to defeat sin and death and give us a path, give us a process, give us a relationship to know God the Father and to be with him for eternity. His resurrection takes our excuses away. There's no longer separation there because we're being offered a path and a choice and a process. See, the cross wasn't a defeat overturned by the resurrection. The cross was a victory revealed by the resurrection. And Jesus wanted to save us, and with this empty tomb that we see in this story, with him being raised from the dead, he proved that he could. Sin has kept us from God, and Jesus has paid the price. And here's the best part. When Jesus was crucified was crucified on a cross with his arms wide open. And the same way that he died is the way that he lives now, with his arms wide open, offering us relationship, offering us a path to eternal life, offering us life and to know our heavenly father and to know hope and to live forever with him 
in heaven. See, the Bible's very clear when it says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We're saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You've heard that through these accounts today. That's not just available for perfect people or people that are a certain age. That's available for all of us. Jesus came and gave his life for all of us. And he offers all of us love and relationship and eternal life. Because it's not about us. It's not about anyone in this room or any person that stood up on this stage today. It's about Jesus and what he did to pay the price for our sin. You heard the word repentance Repentance just means this, that you're walking one direction, you're going one direction, and you realize, hey, that's not the direction I want to go. For some people, they've been slowly realizing that. For some people, there's a moment that makes them realize that. Maybe it was a party in college. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was losing your job. Maybe it was just a moment today where you finally realize, you know what? I'm not perfect, and this world is not perfect. And your moment is to say, I don't want to walk toward my own dreams and my own empire and my own kingdom. I want to walk with God. And I want to live my life for someone who gave their life to save me. I can't do anything to save myself or to, to, to win myself back to God, but by trusting in the sacrifice of Jesus, I can know him. I hope that that is clear today in the things that we're saying as we talk about repentance and turning from our own way and following God's way. Because we want to take a moment as we end here and, and just offer us a chance to say, God, I've been, I've been running after myself. I've been running after my own things. I've been running after my own life, my own pursuits, and my own kingdom. And I'm sorry because I realize it's wrong and I realize it leads to death. And I realize that the things that I've been running after only leave me empty and lonely. And those are the reasons you went to the cross. For my emptiness, for my loneliness, because I was lost. And if maybe today for the first time, you're saying, I, I want to turn from those things. And I want to know Jesus. I want to know his life. I want to identify with his death and his burial and his resurrection. And I want him to come into my heart and fill me. Jesus is welcoming you with open arms. And we want to help you make that decision. As we close here, will you, will you bow your head and, and just pray with me? If for the first time, maybe you're realizing what Jesus did for you. Maybe you're willing and ready to admit that your sin separates you from God and you would say, Jesus, there's nothing I can do to save myself or save my life, but I want to identify with your death, burial, and resurrection. I want to choose to follow you and be found in you. That is a simple decision. You can talk to him and you can make that decision now, but it's a profound decision because you would have to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you the way that you surrendered your life for my, on the cross. And we're going to worship, we're going to sing in these next moments and if that's a decision that you've made today, if that's a decision that you would like to make, we're gonna, we're gonna have a number up on the screen, we would like you simply to just text the word Jesus to that number. And I want to tell you why we're, we're going to do that. Because we want to talk to you. We want to follow up with you about having a relationship with Jesus. You don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to be nervous. You just have to know that Jesus came and gave his life for you. And you're walking into a relationship with him. You're stepping into a relationship with him today. No one will love you more 
No one will give you more hope. Nothing will make you happier. The joy that you will experience when your life is anchored in Jesus is like anything else in this world because this world is compromised by sin. It's headed toward death. There's smog, there's pollution, there's filth everywhere. But Jesus came and takes all that off the scene, takes all of that away, gives us hope, gives us life. So as we sing and as we celebrate, if you would love to make that decision, that number is going to be on the screen and you can text that. Let me pray as we close. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the ways that you show us that our way is not perfect, God. But your son, Jesus, was perfect. He came and he gave his life and he sacrificed his life so that we could know you, so that we could be found in you, God. We try to find ourselves in so many other things, money and success, our political affiliation, our income, our families, our empires. And God, all of those things are empty and lonely. Only in you can we know hope and can we know love and can we know the greatness that is a relationship with you. God, if there are people in this room are thinking about stepping into a relationship with you. God, I pray that you will give them boldness. I pray that you will help them to make that decision. Lord, to trust you. It can be an intimidating thing. It can be a scary thing. But God, as we free fall into your arms, you catch us and you love us and you restore us and you give us purpose and you help us turn away from death to life. God, give us the braveness to do that today. God, help us to celebrate now. Thank you so much for sending Jesus. Thank you for his life. Thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you that we can celebrate his resurrection. And thank you that you draw us to yourself. God, we want to celebrate you today. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.